2: Gentlemen, welcome to uh, Insight Radio. Uh, I'm Stephen, as you know, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, uh, Ms. Covert, and we have a very special person, I feel, um, that I think everybody could really take a listen to and lend an ear. And I'm going to make a suggestion to the listening audience, and I kind of warned Semran that I was going to kind of do this. But I have a suggestion for everybody out there that's on the path of consciousness, enlightenment, the path of truth, love, however it is that you wish to see it. And that suggestion is that just for a moment, take every book that any of you have in your libraries, any of those that you're reading and studying, and I would say take a moment and set them aside. Because I'm going to say something that I've never really done on this show, and that's that I think there's one book out there that everyone could read. Because when you're reading the book, you can feel the heart in the author. You can feel the knowledge. You can feel the expression of the message that uh, is absolutely being offered in that book. And I would say just take all of those books, just move them aside, collected the dust, not collected dust, whatever, and go get yourself this one. The author is Semran Singh, uh, and the book is entitled Your Journey to Enlightenment. 12 Guiding Principles to Connect with Love, Courage, and Commitment in the New Dawn. Simran, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Devin. I'm so touched and so humbled because I am a fan of your work and and just think you write brilliant book. So <laughs> that one just kind of left me feeling so full and so speechless, so thank you.
2: Well, but it's a it's a it's just to me a heartfelt idea, in the, and and I got to be candid with everybody. You know, I haven't read the book in its entirety, but I can make you a, a promise that's going to be done because of what I have been reading uh, and looking into. And Simran has a unique way in expressing in, in this particular book of how to put people in a certain state of mind, a certain state of. Framework within themselves to really take a moment and have an introspective look with, uh, within themselves. And you know, Simran, reading this as I have been, I've been wondering, and I have a question for you. Did you just kind of wake up one morning and just kind of go, uh, you know, wait a minute, this is kind of incomplete. I mean, what, what, if you wouldn't mind for a moment, what put your feet onto the path that you now find
0: yourself? You know, I think that I truly have a devotional longing to connect to the beloved and knowing that that beloved is within and wanting to expand my awareness and my realization of the full capacity that I am. And that means for me radical honesty. Radical honesty about everything I do, who I am, and, and being willing to let go of all of those pieces and parts and identities and personalities that I so desire to cling to uh, because they're really not me. We're so much more. And I came to a point in my life, particularly for this book, where I was really letting go of some major pieces of my life that I had never had the courage to let go of before, pr- primarily an 18-year arranged marriage. And I knew that I had created all of that bondage and limitation and servitude, that I had been the one that actually put that in place and that I had settled in life. And I knew I needed to dive into my unknown self to move beyond who I was. And so that's what really uh, kind of sparked me to be so honest to myself. And, And then, you know, whoever reads this, hopefully spark with them, them the desire to be so completely honest with themselves that they break through the stuckness and the barriers and whatever's locked them in where they are of settling to truly live as these enlightened, awakened, divine children that we are with endless creative capacity that the divine has given us.
2: Wow, that's that's astounding, uh, Simon. But you know, as you were saying that, uh, uh, something occurred to me. You had to, in essence, lose every preconceived idea that Simran had ever really had. And I'm talking about, and I know India, and I, I know your heritage, but you had to break away from a thousands-of-year-old tradition to stand in your own identity. And that meant you had to totally lose yourself and rewrite
0: who Simran is. Isn't that true? It's most definitely true. It's, it was really stepping into that place of love, courage, and commitment. And when I realized that I had thought love, courage, and commitment meant staying in a marriage and trying to make it work, and, um, and that courage was being in those places, and commitment meant really staying no matter what was happening in my life between my family and, or my spouse or any part of my career or anything... And what I discovered was those were actually places of fear, that rather than it being courage, that I had done the opposite of courage, which is conformity. I had just conformed in every little area of my life to try to fit in, to try to be valued, to try to be loved, to try to uh, seem just like everybody else, which I think is one end of the spectrum that we all want. Yet the fight, the rub that's inside is... As much as we want to be like everyone else, we want to be so unique and special and individual that we want to be like no one else. And that's where the struggle is. That's where the stuckness comes from.
2: Interesting, because I'd like to share something uh, with everybody about Simran. Simran Singh's mastery of universal law and divine principle is evident in how uh, Simran actually lives her life. Simran not only walks her talk, but... She lives a life that proves that her teachings and her writings are filled with a depth of heart, wisdom, and love uh, that can actually create a shift in those who are able to access them. And I think Simran just absolutely expressed that dynamic from a very personal level. You know, sometimes it's as though we need to hit some traumatic thing before we end up addressing ourselves. And the thing I'd like to say to people is we don't necessarily need uh, to do that, so to speak. Uh, There are so many ways in which we can face ourselves, and we can only do that without uh, any level of fear. And I want to read something here from Simran's book, in in Dedication to the Divine Child. May sovereignty rule your experience, and creativity be embodied through continuous play as you experience the rebel path of love, courage, and commitment, in love, of love, and with love and laughter. That rebel thing. I've noticed in your book you use that quite a bit, and the word rebel has an interesting connotation in the American mindset. When you talk about rebel, I know you don't mean um, in the sense of the everyday idea of that, So I'm going to hand that back to you for a minute, uh, Semrin, and uh, I'd like to get your perception on that.
0: Most definitely. I think the word rebel does definitely trigger a lot of people. I've been doing a one-woman show around the country entitled The Rebel Road, and so I get that quite a bit because some people get really, really uh, curious as to why I chose that word. And the word rebel to me speaks of the creative rebel, It is the individual who truly understands that there is nothing to save, fix, or heal on the outside, because everything is actually of the divine, so it's already complete. And there's nothing to save, fix, or heal on our inside either, because it is all exactly as we designed it, as the divine walking. What we are here to do and be as creative rebels is tap into that unique genius that each and every one of us have, each and every one of us have a special gift that is here to be birthed, to be experienced and expressed. And when we do that, what happens is inspiration bubbles up to be the catalyzing change in the world to all those things that we think are problems. And the mistake we've made is we believe we can think our way out of the problems to find the solutions. But our best thinking got us where we are. So it is only in our inspiration, in our creativity, in our willingness to be that unique genius that we're going to make the change. People misconstrue the word rebel or rebellion with what revolution is. Revolution is the fight. Rebel is not the fight. A rebel understands that they can stand different and be the change. To me, Gandhi was a rebel. He was willing to be unique and different and stand in his truth. And I think that right now, we don't necessarily need teachers and gurus. We need examples, examples of people willing to just stand in their truth, intimacy, vulnerability, and authenticity. And that is going to be the change in the world that gives permission to other people to do the same.
2: Wouldn't you say, though, Simran, to a great extent... By the way, ladies and gentlemen, we do have an open line here. You can call in at 718-664-9735. And before we go on, hey Jay, thanks for alerting me to the typo today on Facebook. <laughs> and, uh, I, I totally appreciated that with, with deep-seated humor. Um, but uh Simran, when 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 we look at the idea of uh rebel in this context, you're talking more about the I turn uh, the internal idea of releasing the old rebellious nature of non-acceptance uh, and possibly moving into the idea of the true nature of oneself through acceptance. Isn't that where the rebel really comes into play?
0: I, I believe it does. Rebel is a very spiritual term, and you can, Thank you. You can feel it when you, when you move into it. You have a sense of oneness, a sense of understanding, acceptance, like you said. It's, there is no fight. There's no longer a fight anywhere. It really is about experience experiencing itself or true expression or the divine allowing itself to have its fullness and creative capacity while it embraces its humanity. And when we can get to that place of fully allowing our humanity and all the feeling and all of the pain and all of the bliss that we encompass in the full abandon that a divine child would then we can also accept and embrace the fullness of our divinity in the way that we were entitled to uh, when we first chose to come here.
2: You know, you, uh, you have observed well, ma'am. And when I say observed well, you've observed yourself. You found yourself in the traps, and you decided to remove yourself out of the idea of these traps. And I'm going to kind of refer to it for a moment as one of the illusions and i'm going to share something from the pages of your book again the only one that truly controls the degree of freedom you have is you yourself the degree to which you free yourself and express the essence of freedom is the degree to which your world will reflect that back to you you are the journey in order to be totally free you need only uh, develop awareness and action, and when when we talk about uh, Simran, awareness and action, could you maybe, um, well, just kind of express your view of those two concepts of awareness and action? Awareness of what, and action towards what, if that's possible.
0: To me, awareness has to do with being so present to the entire being that you are. It means understanding what you're feeling, where you're feeling it, how you're feeling it, not from a place of having to analyze or do anything about it, but from a place of true experience of it, and then responding from that place into action in the world, not even from the place of an agenda or having to accomplish anything. I think that we have grown up in a world where everything has been ingrained with us that we are here to achieve a certain goal, find a certain destination, um, make something happen, rather than just being in the moment of experience and understanding that everything from our senses to the experiences around us to the signs and symbols that show up in front of us are here simply for us to know more of ourselves. And the more we know of ourselves, the more we can let go of that knowing to discover an even greater aspect of our unknown self. And so I really believe that we are here to constantly take steps, but not from a place of I have to sell another book or I have to fill up a, an audience or I have to fill up a bank account or I need to get another degree, but that we need to take steps of action that truly illustrate what our deepest feeling and desire is in the way that a child completely dives into whatever activity they're in with the fullest uh, attention, the fullest ecstasy, the fullest immersion into that experience. And I believe that that's what we've lost as the adults that have become too serious.
2: Boy, uh, Simran, that's huge. Um, they are. Do you have a?
1: Is there something you'd like to ask, uh, Simran? <laughs> I, that? I concur wholeheartedly. but it's a wonderful comment you're making here, Simran, about it because it, it is so obvious, I guess, in in ourselves. And if we do spend time around children, and and we observe them, it's amazing how the spontaneity is awakened within ourselves. And we we come to see the children as mirrors for ourselves. And it's it's an opportunity to allow ourselves to unleash that inner child. And although I haven't had the privilege to, to read your book yet, the, the dialogue that we have ongoing here is, is a wonderful dialogue, and I'm really looking forward to reading the book.
0: Well, the first Hi. half of the book is actually quite serious because we have really got to be serious about ourselves letting go of all of the conformity and the lack of love and the half-heartedness that we live our lives with. And that's why you don't see the light in the eyes. And that's why you see people that are kind of shoulders drawn or not living in their aliveness. A lot of people uh, are here to live. But how many are here in their aliveness? And what I've discovered, because I have my own 3-year-old, my own 12-year-old, and they've been such amazing guides and teachers for me. And as I watch them, what I know about them is when a child is playing at a playground and they're fully immersed on the slide, and they're going up and down and up and down, and then their eye catches the merry-go-round. They dash off to the merry-go-round, and then they're fully immersed in the merry-go-round. Those are two different parts of the playground, and they bring their full attention and their full emotion to each part. But if you look at how we adults handle our playgrounds of life, we will be in one situation, let's say a relationship, and we go up and down and up and down in that relationship. And rather than just leaving that relationship and moving on to the next one that is across the playground and, and starting over with complete immersion and full attention, we literally take the past relationship to the next relationship. When was the last time you saw a child pick up the sliding board and put it on their back and carry it over to a merry-go-round? It doesn't happen. I love But we do that with life.
2: I can see that whole picture, someone. That's great. I know. That's exactly what everybody does. It is, and it's just a
0: playground. We are here on a playground called Earth, but yet we treat it as if we're supposed to keep just hoarding everything that we go in in front of, and that's not what we're supposed to do.
2: Is that, is that, I just Have this question. The inherent essence of freedom requires of us only one thing to bond. How would you say to bond fits into what you just said?
0: Well, I think what we do is we go into bondage. So when we have that first relationship and we end up brokenhearted and we end up wounded and somebody betrayed us and abandoned us. We carry that relationship and all of the filters that we've gotten from that relationship to every other experience in our life. So we then become in bondage to all of those emotions, all of those memories, and to that person that we think we have left. And we keep ourselves limited from having a fully alive experience in the next relationship or interaction that we encounter. What we are supposed to do, though, is bond, and that means fully feel the pain, fully allow ourselves to know what that experience was, even get to a place of bonding with the person that hurt us, knowing that they have allowed us to birth something else within ourselves or allowed us to see a part of ourselves that we weren't willing to see, and then move to the next relationship instead of guarded with the idea that I'm going to move into this one in a completely different way, a new way, a part of me that I didn't have before, a part of me that I've never known so that I can experience this. I can illustrate what children do in this sense. If I look at my three-year-old, when he's in a full-out tantrum, he's got arms and legs kicking and flailing. His, His throat, he's screaming from the top of his lungs. His eyes are just tearing and crying he's sweating his hair's matted down to his head he is in the full ecstasy of his emotion he's in the full ecstasy of anger or upset and and he's experiencing that And then all of a sudden, a butterfly could fly by or an airplane or something will catch his eye and the tears will stop, the arms and legs will stop. He will be up and running with his arms flapping around the yard as if he's an airplane or a butterfly and he'll be giggling. And in that moment, he's in the full ecstasy of the laughter and the joy. And he, children do that. They allow themselves the full experience of an emotion without judgment And then when it's time to move on, they're in the next present moment in that full emotion without judgment. It's we adults that judge anger, sadness, grief, jealousy as bad. I don't want that. Or joy, bliss, happiness, continuing to run after that and not able to have it. And the reason we can't have the heights of our bliss is because we don't allow ourselves to fully experience the depths of the other emotions and they're all beautiful they're just experiences and the opportunity for experience to experience itself
2: jeez I wonder how many times people have heard it come from this face
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was so beautifully put though I love the analogy of the three year old because that is so true they're so spontaneous in what they're doing it's almost like oh well it doesn't matter anyway so let's go do this now But we as adults get so conditioning into the illusion of structure that we can't let it go that quickly, I guess. Let your intent always open your experience. This is out of your book again, Simran. Uh, Let your intent always open your experience to the mastery of you, which in many moments will appear as you, not knowing, and so many people run into this, not knowing what step to take. And I'm thinking of your son while I'm reading this. (laughs) Not knowing what step to take, but being willing to take one anyway. That is just beautifully stated, and especially in the analogy that you just gave. Um, Mm -hmm. Because to me, that is indeed what it's all about. It's easy to be an individual who walks among miracles, but a master is not surrounded by miracles. A master knows how to walk through anything. Aren't children actually masters?
0: That's what they are. You see how fearless they are. and I mm-hmm. think our egos and our minds and our intellect has told us uh, to move into something different, or to step into a bigger life, or to have what we really want in life, means that we have to take a big leap of faith. What if that leap is really only a tiny baby step? What if that's all it required? You know, that, and that's what a child does. A child just takes a foot-sized step every single moment of every single day. And they do that with this fearless wonder, this curiosity, this discovery of all of their senses and that the world truly is their playground with no expectation of what the return has to be. They just want to have a good time. That is the place that we adults need to go back to. That is the mastery that these children show us that we are. Because we are all masters walking. We've just forgotten. And we've, we've decided that we are less than that. And we've placed people up on pedestals as the gurus or the teachers or the ones that know. And we decide to run after that as an excuse to not step into our own power and our own mastery that is right there all the time. I find it interesting because the question I asked you because the very next thing I look at in
2: this book is just wonderful. Uh, do not let the ego or society's unconscious bullying demand you follow through something if you authentically feel it is time to stop. Isn't that what you personally mm-hmm.
0: did? It really is. And, you know, my whole life I grew up as a child that loved to do so many things. And I kept hearing the statement, "You know, if you do something, you need to stick with it. Or I would hear the statement, Simi, you do too many things. You're going to be a jack of all trades, a master of none. And so I I stopped trying to feel my way into different things, and I'm just a naturally creative being, really creative. I love exploring different sides of things and different sides of myself. And as I went on this Rebel Road tour around the country, and I was guided to sing and do humor and, and all these things I've never in my life done before, I thought, you know... What if we actually have all the gifts already? What if we each possess every single gift out there, but because we bought into these ideas that there's only one thing you're here to do, you've got one life purpose, and if you can't figure that out, your whole life's been a waste. Or what if we have bought into these ideas that we have to stick to that one thing, otherwise we have failed? But yet we're all so versatile. Because the one thing that I know is we are sons and daughters of creation. And that's not a gray-bearded man in the sky, nor is it a great mother in the sky. It is actually creation itself. So if we're the sons and daughters of creation, that means that we are creative capacity that is supposed to birth over and over and over again. And so the moment we stop birthing anything, the moment we stop our level of creativity, that is the moment that we die. That is the moment that we stop living in our aliveness. And so what if it is just natural for you to have stops and starts or natural for you to have several things going on at one time? Allow yourself to understand that you can be a jack-of-all-trades and a master of all at the same time.
2: Wow, lady, that's huge, uh, and so mm-hmm. many different directions, but that is totally huge. Servitude will always have an undercurrent of unconscious of conscious or unconscious resentment. This position will make an individual feel tired, used, and depleted. What you were just saying kind of fulfills that idea as well, does it not?
0: It really does, because if you look around at people in your world, you're going to see people that just seem tired and exhausted. They've been doing their jobs for too long, or they have people in their lives that they think they're responsible for and have to take care of. Uh, They've started a business that initially was something that inspired them and created more creativity and made them feel alive. But they've continued this forward for so long that now it's become a burden and it's keeping them tied down and it's gotten too big and they think they have to continue it because this is what they've built in their whole life. And sometimes we are really meant to just let things go. You know, I learned this on the Rebel Road also. I had a situation where I had a teacher on board the RV to help help teach my two children and we got to one show and a woman came up from the audience she'd never heard of me she said she was completely inspired by the show and that if there was ever an opportunity for her to be the teacher for the kids or any other teaching position she would love to do something like this and travel around the country and i just thanked her and then we went home and the next morning the teacher i had on board woke me up and she said to me i want to go to the airport i'd like to go home and in that moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, the universe sent me a teacher before I even knew I needed another teacher, which was one thing, because it does—it lines up. The universe really does line it up for us. But the second thing I realized was this first teacher returned for her own reasons because she was missing the previous child that she had been caring for and she didn't like the traveling. And her moving out of the space because she was open enough to realize this doesn't fit me anymore, created the space for another person's dream so that they could slide into it. What if our stuckness where we are is keeping everyone else stuck who has dreams that possibly fill the space that we won't get out of?
2: There's so oh, well, much wait, wait, change wait wait, 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 I have to stop you there for a second. I'm going to ask you to do that one again. Can you do that again?
0: Absolutely. What right. if the stuckness that you're in in your life, what if you have a vision or a dream that you can't move on, and your very stuckness in that is keeping everyone related to that vision stuck where they are because they can't move into helping you until you move into helping yourself. And when you don't move out of the place you're in, You don't open the space for the next person who's dreaming of that vision to move into it. That's why this world is so stuck.
2: Wow, that's a huge way to look at change. So that's another way of saying if a person isn't willing to change, what they're kind of doing is blocking another person's ability to also change or shift.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. If you're related wow. to that person's vision or you're wanting to be in that dream and it's already filled to a certain extent, then how is it supposed to flow? And, and that's why life doesn't have the flow that it does for other people. You know, those that know how to move and change, they keep themselves in the flow and that fractal family keeps on moving. But the other fractal families, stay stuck because they're all stuck. It's like postponing
1: the recognition of synchronicity that is always unfolding into another synchronicity.
0: Yes. I mean, if you look at a game of musical chairs, if people are not moving through the chairs and the music is on, then how are you supposed to move? How are you supposed to dance? This whole life is nothing but a game of musical chairs that we're supposed to step in and step out of different experiences. It's all fun and games. It's all a playground.
2: And it always comes down to whether we like it or not. It doesn't mean that we can change it.
0: Right, right. It, it, you know, I think you have to be in a place of really feeling good about what you want. And you have to be in a place of really um, imagining and and being in discovery. I kind of chuckle at people that are so intent on the law of attraction. Because when I think about children and how easily they manifest and they always get what they want... When was the last time you saw a child doing a vision board or stating affirmations? <laughs> they don't do that. They dream. They don't. You're right. They get excited. They play. They imagine the thing and, and completely make up friends, and, and, or color pictures, and they do all these other things that just keep them in a place of excitement and wonder as if they already possess whatever it is that they really, really want. And then magically the bicycle appears, or the doll set, or whatever it is that they're looking for. But we're making vision boards, we're stating affirmations, and we're sitting there wondering why things aren't showing up. It's because we've gotten too heavy about it, and we're trying to control it. And you cannot control a naturally organizing, unfolding, organically unfolding system.
2: (laughs) Don't tell humankind they can't. (laughs) 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 No, actually, Simran, you do, and that's one of the things I know about you and deeply admire. I mean, this lady not only writes, but by the way, I have a question uh, before I continue. So when it came to singing, how did you do
0: You know, it was really quite fascinating. I did get six singing lessons, and when I was leaving, because that was all I could fit in with, all the different things that I do, when I was leaving, my my singing coach, she said, "Uh, Are you really going to do this? (laughs) And I said, Yes, I am. And I got on stage for the first show, which was in D.C., and I had two songs at that point that I had kind of practiced. And I got up on stage, and I had music. And for both songs, I completely forgot the last verse. And so I just stood up there and I let the audience know, I've forgotten the last verse, but listen to this beautiful music that people created for me and sent in without me asking. And then at the end of the show, I had four different people come up and say this to me, but the very last one was powerful. There was a woman that came up and said, I want to thank you for what you've done here tonight because you have no idea you have reawakened me to my dream. I'm an opera singer. I have been invited to tour the world by four different companies, and I have turned every single one of them down because of one huge fear. I had this incredible fear that I would forget the words. You have just shown me how to forget the words gracefully. And, you know, I started to realize there again is what people haven't figured out you know we don't have to get it right we don't have to know what we're doing i can tell you right now i have absolutely no idea what i'm doing and maybe that's a good thing i've completely lost my mind maybe that's the perfect thing because me just being willing to show up in that authentic way because i was guided to do this and i needed to see me in a different way was actually the gift for other people to have the healing that they needed. And over the course of the last 55 shows, my voice has gotten stronger. I have actually gained a really beautiful voice, and that came through experience, which is what we are ultimately anyway. So why should we have to have it perfect the first time? Because I've gained more as the journey, learning and discovering my voice, And that is where there is wealth. That is where there's abundance. That is where there's prosperity. Because there is no price you can put on those kinds of experiences.
2: What if, when you first sang Simran, that it was perfect, you just didn't agree with the perfection of it?
1: There you
2: go. What if that Mm -hmm. was the argument? What if that was the educator, the one that led you to the understanding that setting yourself free means setting yourself free of all preconceived notions of who you are. That's exactly
0: right. Yes. I think so many people stop themselves because they've made these excuses of, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not trained enough. It's those kinds of things that stop us. And it's like you said, we just have to show up and it is in its perfection in doing that.
2: Indeed. And by the way, I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm, I'm uh, sharing kind of uh, as Simran's talking. Um, um, I've got her book here by my hand and I'm glancing at it. So some of what I'm getting is actually coming out of her book. So the name of that book, again, is uh, Your Journey to Enlightenment um, 12 Guiding Principles to Connect with Love, which the world can need, Courage, which the world can use and uh, Commitment to the New Dawn. Simran, New Dawn, what's that?
0: So the subtitle of this book, when I speak about love, it means having the, enough love for yourself to really follow what your heart wants, regardless of what anyone else says or any excuse in your life. It means having the courage which means going beyond the conformity and the settling in your life. And it means having the commitment to yourself to stay the course. The new dawn is your new dawn, your new birthing, your continuous newness in each and every moment or day where you're willing to discover your great unknown. Because people have identified themselves with this body that they live in or the identity or the personality that they have. Our unknown self is not the scary place where the boogeyman lives. It's not the place where failure could happen. But the unknown self is actually when we're willing to uncap ourselves, that means take off whatever's covering the crown chakra and understand that we are not just the body that we inhabit, but we are all of it that is around us as well. And when we dive into that unknown, we discover that we are more of the divine as well as the connection to everything in the world that is going to facilitate and conspire on our behalf to discover the allness that we are. And that is the unknown. It's not a scary place. It is a most beautiful, expansive place
2: it's expansive and beautiful through the insight of our own minds now hear how i said that the insight of our own minds because the reason i'm phrasing it that way is because so many people can be so hesitant when you take a look at what motivated you simran into the journey that you decided to embark on it took um Obviously, a lot of courage, because you were stepping into the unknown with children, so to speak. You were stepping into an arena that you had no idea other than you knew that where you were was taking you to no place. And what you wanted to do was take yourself to some place. Too many people would rather hang on to their old ideologies than to let all of that go find who they truly were so what simran did is she actually stepped away from her small self if you will and you stepped into your large self and that's what being a rebel you could say got you does that make sense
0: yes most definitely and i think it's also that people go into it with uh, wanting a guarantee wanting a guarantee of where, what's that outcome going to be or what am I going to become. And mm-hmm. when, as I sat down and really, really contemplated all of this, I said, what is the absolute worst that can happen here? If I really just let myself go, if I lose my mind, dive into my heart, and live that moment-to-moment inspiration, what is the absolute worst that can happen? And the only answer that kept coming up was, you'll have an adventure. And that's what we would all have, regardless of the choices that we made and everything that we let go of. We would each have our own adventure. And isn't that why we chose to come to planet Earth in the first place, to have an adventure, an adventure like no other?
2: Well, you know, there's only individual stories written across the face of humanity, no matter how many times we come here and no matter how many times um, we are here uh, it is our experience in Simran you just have an amazingly wonderfully um, innocent is what I'm going to say view of it and as you've all heard me say before innocence does not necessarily mean being naive if you're really listening to Simran she has a wisdom that I think is just um, unparalleled in so many different directions because she comes from the voice of knowledge, that knowledge bred by the exuberance of her own experience. Yes, I said exuberance. She greets it with open arms and openness. I think one of the things that Simran is saying is any of us can do this. Any of us can walk away from anything whenever we choose, when we decide that it's time for that rubble within to awaken and to express its own personal self through its own personal identity. Does that uh, make any kind of sense there, Simran?
0: Well, absolutely. You know, we make it all up anyway, Stephen, so why not make up a new one, you know? We really do. Why not make up another story? This is make-believe, and it's, it's time If you're not liking the, the piece of playground equipment that you're on in this moment. It's time to jump off and get on to something else. And allow yourself to know that you have the choice to do so.
2: But we do have Mm -hmm. that choice. And so many people seemingly allow themselves to be subservient to the life that they hold. Well, where's Mm -hmm. the individual and dynamic expression in oneself in that? There isn't one. And there can never be one without question or hesitation. Um, You use a... A euphemism is what I'm going to call it initially in your book. Um, I do it on occasion. I have two definitions for realize or two spellings um, for that idea, realize. One is R-E-A-L-I-Z-E, of course. And the other one is is R-E-A-L, one word, and E-Y-E-S mm. is, is the second Beautiful. <laughs> and one supersedes the other, and I'll let everybody else figure that one out as they go. But where I'm going is is you use a euphemism in here when it comes to the idea of human. And she puts it into kind of two words, H-U-E dash M-A-N. So I'm going to ask you, Simran, um, in your expression of that, What is it you are saying to people when you say it that way?
0: When I say the word H-U-E-M-A-N, I'm trying to get across to you that you are light color and sound. You are the light man cometh or the light woman cometh to really allow yourself to be as brilliant as possible. And also, when you look at the word human, if you allow it to be humana or humanity, it is... Manna is our divine self. It is our mystic quality. It is that magical essence that has the ability to create anything. And when uh, when we boil life and experience down, what we are here to be is that ray of light that has embodied into physical form that we call human. But we really are that essence of light. And that lightness can encompass both the dark that we have known to be the shadow and the different emotions that are more dense, and it will be the lighter side, the lighter vibration that everyone is clamoring for. But when we allow ourselves to bridge all of that, both the dark and the light, understanding that the ember begins in the dark, because you can't have light in light, light births in something dark, then we truly embody what is human, the full spectrum of color and light and sound that we are.
2: So you could kind of say in a way that uh, the darkness of mind is actually to bring us to the brilliance of the embers of light which lie dormant within us. Whoa.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's it. Well, if you think about a night sky and you think about how many people love the sunrise, would the Mm -hmm. sunrise be as beautiful if we did not have a dark night that preceded it?
2: We wouldn't. We wouldn't recognize it. We would not have any idea of what that was. It's like if all we had was light, we would never understand the idea of darkness. It's the same thing.
0: Exactly. And exactly. And we they, wouldn't call the night bad or wrong or ugly because mm-hmm. we know that that is part of what allows the sun to have its beauty and its glorious it birth.
2: And it's also what gives life the forces of mm-hmm. light and the forces of darkness. Yes. They, they and in a similar way, it
1: also helps people to appreciate fear, doesn't it? Because Simran is a wonderful example of fearlessness. But fearlessness arises after you become aware of what fear is and why you have it.
0: And, and if you allow yourself to redefine, um, because so many people will use that, what their idea of fear is to paralyze them and to stop them in their lives. And what I have discovered is, number one, fear is necessary. That's that butterfly in the stomach or that tingling on the skin or that sweaty palm feeling or that lump in the throat, it's a necessary experience that is an impetus to movement. But it also, for me, is the exact same thing that excitement has always felt like. And when I came upon that realization, I decided I'm no longer going to believe that other acronym because I think that's actually something that we bought into, just like any other dogma. What if fear needs a different acronym, and it actually symbolizes feeling excited about reality. Feeling excited about reality, and then all of a sudden it's not something there to paralyze you. It's something there to let you know that you're just in a place of excitement where all the atoms and molecules are bursting through ready to do something new, and then you can allow yourself to take the step.
1: Fantastic. I like that.
2: That's just a heck of a way to look at all of life in oneself. If for no other reason, there's no seriousness to it, but there is deep-seated sincerity to it. Mm, and talk, yes. that, that That is where I think the childhood mind and that childhood expression going all the way back to Simran, what you were sharing about your son, and then the butterfly, I would have to think that that's where that kind of a mind would reside. And that, to me, would be the mind of innocence, which we all can return to. I agree
0: with you. Yes, and like you said before, innocence does not have, it it does not mean naive. It Mm -hmm. means wide-open wonder. It means freshness. It means open arms, open heart open mind, full abandoned to say I embrace what's in front of me to discover it for the very first time with every sense in my body.
2: Absolutely wonderful. Um, You have a a statement here uh, under one of your, and I love the human. (laughs) I had to chuckle when I first saw that. It just reminded me that we're all energy first. The culture of the new human is simple. These are people who truly walk their talk. They live that talk. They truly embody being the example of what they teach. Not only a teacher talking about it, the intention is to release the baggage collected over time. Although emotional baggage is what most people think about, there are other forms. We are collectors. We collect things, lots of things, people, certifications, beliefs, and I think beliefs is probably one of the biggest But I love the way that you put that in the sense that in the human it's walking who they are. And I would say that today humanity is, if you will, kind of at a tipping point. A tipping point meaning they can walk the facade or they can walk the truth of who they are. Does that make sense, Simran?
0: I very much agree with that. And I... I wrote this book because so many people believe that that enlightenment rests somewhere outside, that it's going to be handed to us from the universe or some special anointing that that someone's going to place on our head or some um, experience that's just all of a sudden going to have a, the most giant aha moment of our lifetime. And I believe enlightenment is a self-initiated, self-invoked uh experience that we have to literally invite in, and that means that we step into places of alignment where we really are in right word, right thought, right action, right being, where we're really cognizant and honest with ourselves and the world so that we constantly move in a direction that the rest of us is going. It's not that our thoughts are thinking one thing and our actions are doing another and our feelings are doing a third that's where chaos comes from, and so I totally agree with you.
2: Well, see, to me, it's it's when we start going down that road, we have to get over, I feel deeply, of being afraid of who we are. And I think, forgive me, but Marianne Williamson said it the best. Marianne Williamson once said that uh, she felt that people were more afraid of how, uh, instead of, excuse me, that people were um, more afraid of how great they are as opposed to being afraid of how small they are. Yes. And I think that's one of those things that have us entrapped into that level of smallness. It's almost as though people kind of have the tendency to think that they have to live up to something that's divine. And I feel that's an illusion, your thoughts there, Simran?
0: Well, we embodied on earth to be these people that experience, and that means experiencing the full gamut. And I do believe many people are more afraid of their power than their lack of power. It is why we create the excuses, anything from illnesses and people that we have to take care of to uh, bank accounts that are empty or different types of experiences that make us feel like victims. Those are all the excuses just to stay out of your power. And when we allow ourselves to understand that you are a master, regardless of whether you are in that place of victimhood or in that valiant place of your mastery, that you are the king or the queen of your kingdom and your queendom. And it's now time for you to decide if you truly want to step into that place of power as an example, first and foremost for yourself, of what you are happy capability of doing, but then secondly to illustrate to others what they have possible within themselves that they too are not leaving or not stepping into.
2: So in other words, we could say, ladies and gentlemen, why in the world don't you stop denying your own mastery <laughs> and just mm. simply accept it? What do you think? Exactly.
0: <laughs> it's a, it's just a thought. It's it's just a concept. It's just a feeling to step right into that. And say so it takes just as much energy to believe in your victimhood as it does your mastery. So why not choose the higher road?
2: Well, I'm with you on that one. I, I and the only reason I'm sitting here chuckling is you know my masters in India once said that Stephen. Anything complex is really not worth the journey, but anything that is simple may be the greatest thing to ponder and to uh, allow to be revealed, and I've found that to be so true. And the, in the comi- comical thing is is we all are already our own master if we would just step aside and let that mastery show itself, <laughs>
0: It's so true. It's so true. The the hard part of life is actually living in the small self. That is where the complexity is. The other is actually quite simple. And the other? The other is being the child. Why not just be the child? Live life from the perspective, the eyes, the heart, the wonder, the curiosity of the child. If you approached everything, and that doesn't mean... Childish. I'm talking about childlike.
2: The innocence. Christ himself said in the Bible that to enter the kingdom, one must have the the mind of the child. Mm. And I think that's perfectly stated. And we sat here and just said the exact same thing in so many words. It's that level of appreciation of one's own self-innocence that a lot of us do not necessarily choose to acknowledge. Innocence, once more, does not mean naivete, no. Innocence means the willingness to have the deepest levels of faith. How does that fit, Simran?
0: You know, I I think that my journey began uh, after so much pain. When I was downloaded with 1111 Magazine's first issue, I was given the beginning of what was to be a curriculum That I shared freely with the world and I was given the titles of each issue and the guidance I was given was the first place to begin is innocence, to start fresh again, to leave behind everything that you're carrying and allow yourself to go bare naked into the world in a new way that allows you to open with a different set of eyes, a different set of ears so that you can truly engage, truly bond with the world in a way that your wounded self could not
2: that's using your real eyes r-e-a-l-e-y-e-s yeah yes. and mm-hmm. i i think that means so much if we can learn to step aside and i love the way you presented the idea of the ego earlier on in uh your book and once again ladies and gentlemen that book is entitled your journey to enlightenment and the author is simran singh um an incredible mind, a person that has, I would have to say, has learned through paying attention. She's learned through utilization of the idea of her personal awareness, especially when it comes to the arena of her emotions. She freed herself from the chains that she felt was keeping her from being her. That is a huge realization, and that stares at people almost every single day. But Simran had the foresight and the wisdom to say, "Okay, I'm going to do this."
0: You know, Stephen, what happened? It hurt bad enough. I got numb enough. I mm-hmm. I got tired enough. I got mm-hmm. broken enough to the point where I said, "This cannot possibly be the truth of why we come here."
2: Mm-hmm. Indeed, but those were the very catalysts that brought you to the full realization of who Simran is. Who, not what. I once heard it said that uh, when things change, it does not mean we lose who we are. When things change, someone like Simran could say, it created who I am because things changed.
0: Yes. Yes, most definitely. Change is always going to bring us to a bigger piece of ourselves in a more expansive way to be the rest of ourselves.
2: Always. Mm. Because Simran has learned to recognize the idea of wholeness, not separateness. Does that make sense then? We are actually down to the last four minutes of Simran. I'm going to ask you, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you. And ladies and gentlemen, if you have an opportunity and you find out that this lady is in your area, my suggestion is, is go hear her. You're going to hear a heart speaking through the voice of wisdom. So mm-hmm. Simran, how can people find you?
0: Oh, Thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, my main website is Mary, Nancy. Sing S I N G H dot com. You can also go to Simran's Books dot com, and, um, and my book website is Your Journey to Enlightenment dot com. If you want to go directly to that one, but everything that I offer freely to humanity is at Simran Dash Singh dot com.
2: And my suggestion is, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, this is a uh, this is a voice that has a time to be heard. And I do feel deeply that it is time, not maybe necessarily for the lady that's being the messenger, but maybe for the message. Buddha once said this, that in life it's never really about the teacher. It's always about the teachings. And the message that Simran is offering is the clarity of ancient knowledge to a level that I don't think has hit Until now, modern times. There you go, Simran. How about that
0: one? Oh, my goodness. You just humble me, Stephen. Thank you. And it is. It really is about the message. And I I think that that's what is probably the most important thing said tonight. Because if people will just allow themselves to open to the gift that's within them, that message is what's going to come out so strongly. And they're going to discover this isn't about me. It's about the beauty of what this message can bring to this world. And in doing that, we're going to see so many amazing things take place.
2: Indeed. And I couldn't couldn't echo that at any greater extent. Simran, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And um, always I look forward to having conversations with you. uh, Because sometimes, and I offer this as an honor... It's as though sitting at the feet of knowledge, and I mean that deeply mm-hmm. from my heart. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Insight Radio. Our special guest tonight has been Ms. Simran Singh. Uh, get a copy of her book, Journey, uh, excuse me, Your Journey to Enlightenment, the subtitle, The Twelve Guiding Principles to Connect with Love, Courage, and Commitment in the New Dawn. Simran? Thank you so much for being with us, and I look forward to talking with you
0: again. Oh, thank you both. My honor and pleasure. Thank
1: Journey you so well. for being such a delightful mirror <laughs> for the master <laughs> in this all.
2: Uh-huh. May each of your weeks be filled with uh, joy and love, and may they be fulfilled in the ideas that have been presented to you this evening. Simran, thank you much, and we will speak again. Yes.
1: Thank you.